welcome to the How Not to Screw Up Your Kids podcast. So pour yourself a cuppa, find a comfy seat and enjoy the conversation. Today I'm sharing an interview that I did with the incredible Anna Martha, who has today the release of her new book, The Little Book of Calm for New Mums. Now, Anna is a psychotherapist and mother of three and best-selling author of Mind Over Mother. She's passionate about taking therapy out of the therapy room and about sharing her own personal and professional experiences to support mums through motherhood. And the interview that we had was a really open and honest sharing, really, about the challenges, the difficulties that are being mum and raising children. And whilst the book title is very much from that perspective of new mums, that's basically what the title is, I was very privileged enough to have had a preview of the book before I did the interview with Anna. And I can wholeheartedly say that the advice that is in there is relevant to every mother who is mothering any age child and in fact I would genuinely say the book is great for anyone who has any involvement in children whether that's mothers, aunts, grandparents. I think it's a really really great read. It was a phenomenal interview and I feel very privileged to have been able to do this interview and I hope that you find a great deal of information in this but also some things that you can take away and just reflect on for yourself. So I do hope you enjoy the give. There is no specific give this week other than the link in order to go and buy the book, which I can highly recommend. So enjoy. And don't forget, if you enjoy this episode, I would love it if you could follow and review this podcast so that others can find us and we can spread the love. So here's Anna. Hello and welcome to the How Not to Screw Up Your Kids podcast and today I'm genuinely so excited that I am joined by the incredible Anna Martha. Hi Anna. Hi, well that's very kind of you. I always feel a bit awkward with these introductions. (laughs) But thank you, you it's a a real pleasure. Oh, it's amazing to have you. And we're now we're going to be talking to Anna about all sorts of things. But specifically, I want to talk about your new book, which is actually being released today, the day that this episode is going out. And it's called The Little Book of Calm for New Mums. And I would say it almost needs to be, I think it's almost like one of those gifts that you buy every new mother. And in fact, every current mother, because I was very fortunate enough to have been given a little copy to be able to read and preview before um, Anna and I's interview. And I got a huge amount out of it. So Anna, just tell me, just tell us broadly about the book for those who obviously haven't yet got their copy. Yeah, so basically there was a Wednesday afternoon I was standing cooking dinner for my kids. I've got three kids under seven and it was just one of those kind of chaotic times where I just, you know those times where you just wish someone would come in and help you parent or would parent you whilst you're parenting. It was, I just felt overwhelmed, exhausted, irritable. And I, I just, in that moment, yeah, I just wish that someone could just come and give me some comforting, grounding reassuring words nothing kind of to fix anything but just so that I would feel seen and understood and could maybe identify a need beyond the overwhelm or whatever and that's where the book came out of that moment this this thought wouldn't it be wonderful to provide mums with a little book 
that they could flip to whatever emotion they were feeling so I've got everything in there from kind of resentment boredom loneliness kind of missing our pre-kid life and just there are just a few short pages really of of the words that I would need in those moments and the words that I would speak to my friends and my clients that sit on my blue sofa or that I speak to over kind of zoom sessions and that's really what it is it's a, a book that you just flick to the page that goes with the feeling of where you're at and there are words to kind of ground and reassure and to make you feel understood and maybe to untangle that emotion a bit and determine what might be behind it what might you need yeah so that's that's it really and it came it came out that moment on a Wednesday afternoon standing at the hob feeling and overwhelmed that, when we have those enlightened moments and Anna actually is being very humble about it because having looked at the book it is phenomenal there is so you basically you find the emotion and there's just some words that seem I don't know it's almost like you can reach into the mind of a mum in that moment whether it is because you've got this tiny little bundle that you brought home this precious little bundle and maybe you are suddenly missing your old life but the words that you've put in there perfectly describe that feeling but what's so incredible as well is the way that you have then structured the self-help it's so easy to access and with some really sort of simple tools which obviously come from your background in terms of what you do so tell us a little bit about that and how you've kind of harnessed and used that to make it so practical and easy to implement so I'm a psychotherapist and I my training is kind of integrative I've done I've worked in GP surgeries kind of classical clinical settings that you would imagine someone sitting in a room with a couple of chairs and a box of tissues I've done a lot of that but after becoming a mum I think and feeling the intensity of feelings that you that you feel in motherhood and using the tools that I'd been sharing in the therapy room but also going to depths where I haven't been able to use those tools because I've been I don't know it's just you know those moments of just kind of utter overwhelm and utter exhaustion and that that make you realize quite how much you need other people as well and that really changed my life I was always someone that was very you know I'm here to help other people but I'm okay don't worry about me and I found motherhood has really broken me open and made me realize quite how much we need each other as humans and in that I think I started really having to view my own mental health in a completely different way something not something that I could fix myself but actually some something that I needed to be open and honest about and it wasn't necessarily about fixing it was just about letting other people walk alongside me and just sharing and sharing in that journey so my my work life uh, now is very much this kind of intertwining of my own personal experience as a mother but also the knowledge that I have as a therapist and just yeah writing it and sharing it in a way that I think I have a real privilege as a therapist to know that I'm not alone in those intrusive thoughts and moments of rage and boredom because I see behind the scenes of other people's stories like I'm privy to those and it's a real privilege but with that comes this real confidence that if I talk about some of those dark corners of motherhood that I've experienced I know that the world isn't going to think I'm mad because I know there will be people reading that thinking oh my gosh uh, that's how I feel as well and it just starts chipping away at shame when we realize that we're not alone so I can I can feel confident about sharing my own journey because I know that I am not alone but other people don't so yeah. 
I use that almost as like a carriage intertwined with my professional knowledge in the hopes that it will make it something that feels approachable and and starts chipping away at that shame and but also gives people something tangible to do yeah we like and that and it's with us and it's hugely and what what do Anna what do you think because I see this time and time again there's it's almost this shame that we may not be enjoying motherhood this shame that we're not holding it all together why is this well two questions really is this more pronounced with with mothers with women when they become parents and and if so why Mm. yeah I feel like it is more pronounced and I feel like this has come about right let me have a little think about this yeah I think it's very it's very perpetuated by the amount of information that we have access to so whereas I I spoke to my mum and I said mum do you think that us mums have it harder than you did and she says yeah because you have so much more awareness now. You've got so much more awareness of all the things that could go wrong, even if we think about health anxiety, right? Sometimes I find myself worrying about health issues that I'd never even a month, a year, two years ago ever even heard of. But I've stumbled <laughs> across an article or a story that someone has shared and this is what they've been through and suddenly I've added it to my pile of things to be worried about. And, you know, my mum said, if we didn't feel worried about it or it didn't seem to be a concern we wouldn't have given it that much airtime in our minds. And I think, you know, without the access to all of the information that we have now, and in many ways, knowledge is power, but I feel like we often become completely overwhelmed by it. We lose that voice of intuition. You know, we're looking outside of ourselves for the answers. And my mum would say, you know, if it, if it felt, if it didn't feel right, then we would seek help guidance support we might ask a friend whereas now I think we look outside of ourselves all the time to have our thoughts affirmed we might get a sense of what's right but we need confirmation and often that confirmation is conflicting so then we end up confused and you know I think sometimes just slowing down and and just thinking what what feels right you know what is what am I actually feeling what do I actually need what's right for my child my family and motherhood you know what it is boring it is boring sometimes it is relentless it is hard it is exhausting it is you know sometimes I think if we were in a job where someone was just hounding us all the time shouting at us pouring at us you know we'd be like yeah I'm I'm handing in my notice I'm getting out of here this is I can't be spoken to like this and there's this expectation that almost motherhood the love will override any feelings of boredom, irritation, exhaustion, you know, that the love is enough to wipe out a whole spectrum of human emotion. And it's it's never, you know, love is the foundation, but it doesn't stop us feeling, having a human response to our circumstances. So, yeah, I, I don't know. And then I think the, the social media kind of perpetuates this image of it's possible to have a wonderful experience of motherhood and to be present and to be getting the you know getting creative with the kids and to love doing all of that art I flipping hate glitter like I hate glitter and it's I it's still like, have a friend who say... doesn't forgive me about the glitter I bought her daughter because she said it's oh, wow. in the wooden table you should have thrown a thrown a recorder in there as well and really ended the friendship there you know and yeah it's this it's almost like and I think of it as like Frankenstein's monster this 
this ideal that has been patched together with like this is the best way that you can communicate with your child this is the best way that you can discipline or this is the best way that you can approach routine and this is the best way that you can love through creative art and it's been (laughs) melded into one attainable and sold as something attainable that we're all reaching towards and then feeling like total failures because either the feelings don't match what we're doing we're not actually enjoying it or we just it just doesn't because it's not human yeah and I think that you then have a lot of shame attached to this notion that you're not doing it right. There's so much of this, I think, particularly with motherhood, a lot of shoulds. I should be breastfeeding. I should not go back to work. I should be crafting. I should be doing this. I should be baking from scratch. There's a lot of shoulds, I think. And then there, yeah. that sort of internalisation of that shame and feeling that you're not. And as you say, with social media, it's sort of this view of these beautiful moments that have been captured on camera that then add to that list of things. And I think you then lose sight of your own personal intuition as to what is the right way to parent your children because they're all so unique. Even our, you know, even siblings, we have multiple children. (laughs) They all need slightly different ways of approaching things. It's so true. I have to parent each of my children differently. I have to be a different mother to each of them. And that... That was really unexpected to me. My first one was very kind of textbook straight down the line. To be honest, he still is. And I thought I'd got it figured. I thought that was down to me. And then I tried to parent my second child in the same way. And and I've it, it just was never going to work because he was a different child. And I think one of the, the moments I go back to in my mind is a friend was saying, I don't know. So she had an emergency C-section in her first pregnancy. And then she was trying to decide whether to have a back, you know to try and labor or whether to go for another plan c-section and she was just going backwards and forwards and backwards and forwards and someone said to her imagine no one ever knew how you birthed your babies and they were never going to find out what would you do and she said well i'd i'd have a planned section and it's like you know i loved that because it was that stripping away of of the fear often of what other people might think and how they might view that or and just going back to well what what do you want if no one was ever to know how you fed your baby if no one was ever to know whether you code slept or not what would you do and I felt I just think that's so helpful in just putting the blinkers on and just going back to that voice inside of us that can so often be kind of drowned out with all of the noise and Mm. yeah asking ourselves what's right for me, for us. I love that. Yeah, it's such mm. a simple question to ask, isn't it? If nobody was to know, if the, nobody would ever know, what would you choose? Because then actually you're asking the question, what do you want rather than what do you think you ought to do yeah. as a parent? With that, yeah. and I think the fear of what others think drives a lot of that difficulty, I think, as mothers and that shame of being honest about how we feel. So there, um, there's one bit that talks around I'd love you to talk a bit more around this idea of rage and irritability because sometimes I don't really like my children and that's probably really an awful th- an awful thing maybe to admit but sometimes I don't I don't doesn't mean I don't love them but sometimes I don't like them but for a lot of people that's like oh, you can't say that talk to us about yeah. rage and irritability yeah. see I think like and not like it's just a feeling in that moment isn't it because that's what's being triggered in that moment something's happened you've got this response I don't like you know 
you know, you, you're seeing that child as what is happening in that moment. And if we think about it cognitively and we think, well, that child isn't just that behavior and that child, we love them. And we kind of then expand it out. And we know that, that that's just a feeling in that moment. And the next moment it might have passed. And it's, it's certainly not to be all an end all. And I think, you know, as you said, it's ter- like it's terrible to admit this. And I think this is the challenge, isn't it? Is that it always feels so taboo to talk about some of these emotions in motherhood that we have because it's so a I don't think people talk about it often enough because there is so much shame about it and we fear that if someone knows I feel this way they will think I don't like being a mother they will think I don't love my children and it's almost as if love is enough for us not to feel those feelings like if you love your child enough you will always want to be with them you will all, they will always make you happy. You will always find patience for them. You will always, you know, want to spend every waking moment with them. You'll always miss them when you're not with them. You'll always respond to them in that kind of beautiful nurturing way that we all want to do, but we fall so short of it. And what kind of expectation is that to be placing on ourselves as if love is enough to wipe out half of human emotion? You know, I'll never be angry with my child if I love them enough. And I just think this is so distorted. It's not like when we have a baby, suddenly we lose the ability to feel <laughs> what is very normal human responses to the circumstances. And that's what they are. We are responding to what is going on in front of us. It's not to be on an end all. We can feel rage one minute. And this is what surprises me about motherhood. One minute I want to run out the door <laughs> screaming down the road like to go and I don't know sit beside a tree in silence and the next minute I'm looking at them thinking oh my gosh this is the biggest privilege I've ever had in my life and my heart is so full and those minutes can be moment to moment because we're just responding to what's happening and I think we know that the foundation of that we know that the love is there we always have to feel like we have to caveat it oh my gosh today was so hard I feel overwhelmed but oh I want to run away but I love my kids yeah it's that's so true though but just as you say just saying it that moment by moment but it is it's this idea that love is enough and I think we don't necessarily feel that same way do we about our partners we're not expecting that because we love our our partners that that's going to be enough that we're never going to get irritated with them with the toilet seat or the way that they put pack the dishwasher or whatever it might be we never think of it in other situations yet motherhood has so much more gravitas around this and so much guilt around this notion that we can feel anything other, that we should feel anything other than overwhelming, undying love. Yeah, yeah. So what, you're not allowed a human response to stuff just because you, they're your child. And I um, was thinking the other day about marathon runners. And you know how marathon, like, the training is all-consuming. It just takes <laughs> over, doesn't it? Everything is planned, you know, weekends as these runs. I've never done one. But my husband did years ago. And I could see how consuming it is. It affects the du- like what you eat and how often you socialize and what time you go to bed and it affects everything. But it's hard and it's all consuming. But people love it and they do it and they, you know, it has a purpose and it gives them something and it's affirming and it's empowering and it's all of those things. And, it, you know, it'd be very easy to say to a marathon runner who was kind of moaning, oh my gosh, I've got to get up early tomorrow. You know, why are you bothering then? Why are you doing it then? Don't just don't do it because we know to them it has so much more meaning than that early start. But how come then with motherhood do we feel like it can't have a cost as well as being good? Yeah. Like it 
we love it and it's wonderful and it has purpose and it makes us feel in so many ways like fulfilled and so many different incredible things but it can still be hard and tough and it can be both of those things and that is acceptable and it's all right with the marathon runners but why do we then feel we have to caveat to ourselves are we judging our own emotion and I think often that's it is we've got this oh we've got our own view of motherhood and what we should be feeling so much so that we judge ourselves and fear some of these feelings and then it's hard to externalize it and talk about it because we're fearing the same judgment that we perhaps are giving ourselves yeah and how much of that do you also feel that women don't necessarily open up with their friendship groups around do you think that there's that we have that network in the same way to feel open to talk about these things? I think it's hard because I think it's definitely something that often has to be consciously cultivated and it feels like a risk because many of us have felt misunderstood in childhood perhaps or haven't had feelings validated or perhaps there is, you know, in my own life um, we went through, my sister died of cancer when I was 10 so there was so much kind of emotional grief and trauma going on I decided Mm. I was going to be very emotionally neat and tidy so as not to add to anything so you know there are many reasons as to why we can grow up into adulthood with what was once a protective mechanism at a time that it was maybe necessary to maintain kind of relationships has become a way of life where we so fear feeling invalidated and misunderstood that to say you know what, actually I'm finding this really hard feels like a massive risk yeah because what if someone doesn't get it or what if someone doesn't understand where you're coming from or what if someone does say to you you know what you're so lucky like you've got look look what you've got you've got these beautiful children For goodness sake focus on you know and, and we often that can feel so painful when we take that risk of vulnerability so I think the, the most powerful thing we can start to do is validate our own emotion just recognize it but at the same time, not place too much meaning on it. So that if we're feeling, oh, I don't like my kids today, we're then shaming ourselves for it. And yeah. there's, you know, I think I'm lucky in my friendship group. So I am now often that person that just comes out with it. And then that kind of gives people that permission. So there's someone that always kind of lowers the bar in a good way. Um, Completely, because it just takes one person to say, do you know what? Today yeah. is not a great, is not a great mummy day. I'm not feeling it today. Um, and, and I even thought that I would just love to just run away. And it's yeah. almost like, oh my gosh, she said it. So it's not quite so, I, that gives me permission yeah. to say that too. And, it, and, and you might be in a friendship group that, that doesn't have that person. And what might it be like to start nudging that kind of, you know, taking small risks of vulnerability, just kind of putting a little something out there. And it might be an exasperated like, oh my gosh today is so hard and not saying anything else and just seeing how people respond because we need to feel you know some of us need to start feeling safe enough to go there yeah and I think it's it sometimes has to be that conscious you know let's take let's make this a little bit more real because vulnerability is connect that's how we connect with each other but it needs to be in the right context and sometimes in the relationships that we feel safe with but yeah I think it's really helpful if we have those relationships Definitely, because and that's that's what sometimes can kind of lead to those blocks again, isn't it? Where we tentatively mm. try to be vulnerable, we've maybe discussed something, and then we've hit that wall with someone else, and then that's shamed us. So then that makes us much less likely to be vulnerable again. Yeah. But I I love Anna the way that you talk about actually 
and in lots of ways it has to start with the acknowledgement with ourselves just let's just be honest and acknowledging how we're feeling in those moments because if we can start with that then in some ways it makes it easier for us to then open up and and be vulnerable with others and I'm guessing that that links a lot to this concept which people who are listening will know I've been banging on for a very very long time about self-care which I know that you talk is that real importance of nurturing the self and that isn't selfish yeah no it's absolutely necessary in fact I think at times in my life where I have believed that to be indulgent indulgent I would say out of fear of it was me not wanting to put myself first wanting to put the people first because I believe that that's what love was like that's how you love people is you put them first so I I found resting hard I found taking time or expressing taking time for myself or expressing my needs I found incredibly hard and would I say that people felt loved because of that I would actually say that it harmed my relationships I would say that it was detrimental to my children because I was burnt out, I was resentful, I was exhausted, I was people pleasing, I, yeah, I was, you, we need energy to be able to rationalise anxious thoughts, we need energy to be able to laugh, we need energy to have joy in our lives, like, I often think back to those times when you know when you're just tired in the evening and someone cracks a joke or my husband <laughs> you know tries to be funny I'm like I'm, I, I'm not it's not funny I, I've got no sense of humor right now because I'm too tired you know if we want to be ourselves and that's what our kids want that's what the, the people around us that love us they want to see us as us you know that spark in our eyes that ease in our laugh and yeah we all have our challenges and we all have that going on as well but if we want to be ourselves, then we need to stop giving ourselves away until we've got nothing left. We need something for ourselves. And that's when I had to start seeing self-care as something vital to my relationships. And I remember specifically my husband, it was a Christmas after um, my son was born in the July and I think it was that Christmas and he had, my middle child had like silent reflux. I was really postnatally depressed and exhausted. I'd said no to all support. And I was just, I was on the floor in every single, every single way, emotionally, mentally, physically. And he drove me to this um, David Lloyd gym health club spa <laughs> thing near us. And he was like, for the love of God, Anna, I'm signing you up here. I don't care. You know, it costs, but I don't care. You have to do something for yourself. And if I have to attach a price to it so that you feel guilty for not going, then so be it. And I found it excruciating to begin with excruciate I found it you know I put my son in childcare for one hour in the little creche there where he was doted upon by these lovely ladies <laughs> and I would go and do a little workout or swim and I would be feeling like it was like a war in myself to be doing that but then I started seeing how much I was gaining and how much my children were gaining and my husband was gaining from me not feeling utterly depleted because when we give our way ourselves away until we've got scraps left, all it, all anyone else gets is the scraps of us too. Like they were getting the scraps of me. I had the scraps of me. And yeah, I started seeing it. I had to completely change the way that I saw self-care as an act of love to my family. Yeah. So I protect it now and I prioritise it. And it's been life changing and relationship changing and parenting changing. 
Yeah, and I hope that everyone who is listening to this will take heed because it is so, we have to take that guilt and that perception that it's an indulgence and actually see it as part of an essential, critical part of parenting. If we don't take care of ourselves, we can't take care of others in that same way. So I I love that you've, exactly. So I love that. Can we talk a little bit, because we're talking a little bit there about guilt, can we talk a little bit around that there's some guilt that once our babies arrive, that there might be an element of missing our pre-baby life? Mm. Yeah, and I think we can have... It's almost like if we if we miss something, there's like it's like we're believing that by missing something, we're not happy with what we have. You know, I can look back to times when we didn't have a mortgage to pay and be wistful about it and think oh we had a bit more expendable income or you know wasn't that nice and it's not saying I don't value my home you know we can miss something and be grateful for what we have you know when you think about all those Sunday mornings where you could just be lazy and you could just have tea in bed and you could just watch Netflix and just chill and you know my Sunday mornings never start kind of later than 7am half six in the morning and and, and being wistful about those times and, and how enjoyable that was and missing that slowness, is that saying I'm not grateful for the kids that wake us up? That's, you know, and I it's almost like we're just seeing these things as approaching them as these 2D things that if we miss something, it's making a statement about the value and the love for what we have. Yeah, And it's not, you're not wishing that away. You're appreciating that something was great and you don't have that now in that same way you have other things that are wonderful and you don't have that but right now you quite like the idea of that and that's okay not making a statement of whether you love your kids or not or you're grateful for what you have well I think there's there always seems to be almost like a disproportionate value attached to feelings that we have Mm. that we feel are inappropriate feelings around our children because we don't we don't give ourselves, we don't beat ourselves up in the same way when we think wistfully about previous holidays that we've had. We don't think, well, I'm undervaluing the holiday that I'm currently having. But when it comes to aspects yeah. of our parenting, the value that we place just seems to be completely disproportionate. Yeah, absolutely. But maybe it might be interesting to think about what need might be behind this wistful thinking. You know, maybe it's, oh, I just need. I actually just need a bit of that slowness back. I'm missing that slowness in my life or I'm missing that space or I'm missing that quiet or I'm missing that just being me and that me and my partner or and how perhaps might that then be pointing to something that I might need to find a way to in, to introduce that into my life now. You know, can we take it in terms to have a lion once a week or can we book a night away or get a babysitter or you know recruit some grandparents or can I do I need to go on a walk because actually I'm just craving the quiet what need might I need to express here and then that's you know that touches on the vulnerability and the fear thing doesn't it because then sometimes we have to ask people to help facilitate that and that can be hard Uh, for people and that is a really hard thing isn't it We, we often struggle to ask for help and yet we're the first ones to volunteer to go and help someone else. Oh, let me bake some, or let me make 
supper for you for the next couple of nights to see if I can help. Let me take your children and pick them up from school or pick them up from nursery so that you can go off and do something. So we we know the value of that and we will do that for others, but we won't ask. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I think that can, like, firstly, it's a transactional thing in a relationship, isn't it? That actually when we allow ourselves to need other people and we let other people kind of fill in the gaps sometimes, that can be a really rewarding, lovely thing to allow someone to do. You know, it, it can make you feel really good when you know that someone's going through a hard time and you've done something practically that didn't cost you much, time, resources, and that it's helped them. You know, and that that's that's nourishing for relationships. But I think sometimes our fear of burdening someone might be because we have done someone for something for someone else out of that people pleasing drive. You know, we want to help them because we think that actually might make them like us more. And actually, we haven't really got the resources to be cooking dinner for two nights for another for someone else when we're struggling to do it ourselves so actually then we're doing that resentfully and it feels like a burden and it feels like a real sacrifice and we're handing that food over and it's done in love but it has a cost that isn't seen because maybe we were depleted to start off with so so then we can assume that if we if we're taking on all of these things and doing these things out of a desire to please rather than out of an overflow of something that we already have or a little bit sacrificial but done out of choice and love then we can assume that other people are helping us out of that sense of duty and it feels like a burden and a sacrifice for them and it has a cost so I think if when we start to do things and it yeah out of a more authentic place out of a choice driven by love and desire rather than duty or people-pleasing drive then we're going to less likely assume that other people are doing that as well. And to be honest, if someone says they want to do something, we have to trust that they're offering that out of a resource that they have to give. We can't take responsibility if someone is doing that out of a sense of duty and there's they're going to be feeling resentful behind the scenes. We just have to trust that people are doing things authentically. But the more we do things authentically for ourselves then the more the easier that is to to begin to assume in a way and know yeah. and take that sense of responsibility away from it yeah and it's yeah accepting that offer when it's there much in the same way as they talk about compliments don't they and we sort of mm. someone pays us a compliment we deflect it we bat it back as quickly as possible whereas actually the simple thing that we should practice is this notion of just thank you yeah just thank you very much yeah don't need to deflect that at all yeah reflection yeah, is and it... i think the more we do that the easier it is yeah it's just practice isn't it just the more that we're able to just accept it and say thank you rather than anything else one of the key things i, I think in terms of the way that the book operates is this ability for us to be able to ref- to give ourselves the time to reflect and then on how we're feeling in any given moment so that we can then access it. And, and the way that the book is structured is brilliant because you don't, you know, you, it's not a book that you read from start to finish. It's a book that you dip in, in and out of. It's the sort of the one that you've got to have, need to have to hand all the time. I think it probably should even go in a handbag, but there you go. So from your, what would you recommend as some really good ways of being able to, to reflect so that you're able to kind of, 
do that inner work of knowing how something is making you feel in any moment. Yeah, so I think sometimes when that when a when you're kind of full of a feeling, whatever it might be, something is can be quite all encompassing, can't they? Kind of like rage or grief or irritability and and I think when we're in that moment it can be harder to reflect especially if we're not always aware of what that emotion is or how it's manifesting us so I encourage people just to start practicing asking themselves what do I feel what do I need you know at any point in the day not necessarily when a feeling is really active but just starting to become sensitive to what those feelings and needs are because when I do coaching sessions with mums and I often say you know tell me three things you need they often that's when the tears come because they're not they suddenly become aware of the fact they don't actually know so when someone wants to help them or says how are you feeling or how can I help you there often isn't an answer so the quickest answer is then oh no don't worry I'm fine because it's hard to kind of locate and identify and even label to verbalize that feeling so I encourage people to start just when they check in with their kids when you when you think about your kids what do you think you know how are you feeling are they hungry are they tired do they need a snack whatever it may be just ask yourself the same question and just start to become sensitive to what you feel and what you need so when there's an emotion that feels really active you might have a word for it or you might be able to identify a need a little bit quicker than than before because you started listening to your yeah I think sometimes we we've lost the language maybe even of our own needs and feelings because we've been so fixated on those around us so it's just a bit of practice yeah Yeah. and I'm guessing the need is the tricky bit because often we attach a we attach the fact that we might need something from someone else, whereas sometimes, mm. absolutely we do, sometimes we need to just give ourselves space, we need to give ourselves time, we need to give ourselves a moment. Yeah, and we can't always meet that need, and we certainly can't necessarily meet it in that moment, you know, if you want space, but you're in you're in a stressful situation with the kids, and you, you can't physically get space, you know, think, well, how can I if this need is so close to the surface, how can I think, how can I start filling up that cup elsewhere in my day, in my week, so that the need doesn't feel quite so urgent? But yeah, I think it's just starting to listen to that part of us inside that is expressing things that perhaps we're so used to not listening to or going, or it just feels like an inconvenience. Yeah, yeah, and and just, yeah, pushing it onto that back burner. Can I ask you, and I, I don't know whether this is, it might just be me, but I think I'd be really interested to ask. So there's a lot of pressures when you're a mum and a lot of those come from within. But I also think there are a lot of pressures that come externally from expectations. It may be expectations of our immediate family, of our extended family, but there can be not perceived demands, but actually some very genuine expectations of others. Mm. How do we manage those? Yeah. And I think this is where kind of confidence, where it's so good to work on our confidence, isn't it? And stepping out in vulnerability and knowing that you're going to disappoint people and that your way of doing it and your needs and your boundaries are going to be in a very different place to other people. And it might be that they are so used to not having any boundaries around their giving that they expect you to give willingly of all resources at all times and actually you know for you then to say 
that's not okay for me or I don't have the capacity for that they might then take that as personal rejection but that's not your rejection of them that's you kind of holding that boundary so I think it's starting to notice that feeling inside that that comes up when someone wants something of you you can't give or you can't give out of a place of actually being able to do that willingly as we were talking about that people pleasing thing earlier or it might be yeah the, an expectation you're going to parent in a certain way and actually that doesn't work for you and it's hard isn't it because sometimes this this impacts relationships and we start putting boundaries down mm-hmm. we start verbalizing what is and isn't okay for us and what we want and what we need it can affect relationships and it can have a yeah. real cost and this is hard and i think it's it's in navigating those different situations and making sure that you're feeling understood and backed somewhere in your life even if it's not by those people that actually you you flipping wish that they got it and they don't yeah and there can be a grief with that it's hard it's hard it's really hard and there's no kind of not once the answer really is there but just to start thinking about what what line is being crossed for me here what's being asked for me that actually I don't feel authentically that I can give and how might I navigate that in a really kind of loving but sometimes firm way that might change the landscape of the relationship and change it but yeah but it's respectful of where what you need definitely yeah no I love that Anna it has been phenomenal talking to you honestly everybody we will pleasure oh no I'd love and I just would love to have you back on again because I think it's just there's so much that we can talk about here and we will be sharing so the link for the book so that you can buy it's launched literally launches today will be in our show notes um, so you can go and click and buy that. And I really would, whilst the title talks about it for new mums, I would genuinely say it's a book that I, you know, my children are 22 and 18. I still got so much out of it. So it's for all mums. May I even say grandparents too? So do go out and buy that um, and do review the book as well. It's always so important when a book comes out that we not only buy it, but we review so that others can find it more easily too. So Anna, thank you so much for writing the book and thank you so much for being here thank you so much for having me it's been a real privilege Thanks.